Acts chapter 1, 1 through 11. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. The words of God, thanks be to God. Can we look to God in prayer? Lord, what a joy and privilege for us to come into your presence in this manner and gather around the table and with the people of God bought and brought by the blood of Christ Jesus. Today, Lord, through our act of worship and our time of singing, we glorified your name, as did the early church. Thank and praise you for the lessons we are going to learn for the next few weeks. And Lord, to open our eyes, thank you for the reading of your word. Let our attention be fixed upon the Holy Scripture, the word of the Lord, the truth, the life-giving bread. Lord, also keep our mind, thoughts, and our ears tuned to listening to the Holy Spirit. More than my words, Father, I ask of you that your Holy Spirit ring his sweet, melodious voice in our ears so that we respond, we be the doers, and go from this place. Christ may we pray. I'm sure you are familiar with this image which was circulated to you in our family group. And uh, this is going to be something very exciting for us. Why? Because foundations of the early church are the same foundations for our 
church and for the church history. There is nothing that, that can be a new foundation. And uh, we all know church is not the simple building that we see or the auditorium we come and gather around, but it is the very people of God, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now, and the lessons are going to be picked up from the book of Acts. The moment I was thinking about the book of Acts for many, in fact, for two months, as I was very keen to bring this study very relevant to the church. I asked a couple of people who wrote the book of Acts. We came a reply, John, because the book is placed next to the book of John in Bible. And then interestingly, second good believer told me who wrote the book, you know, he said, or so and so said, the book of Acts is written by Paul. <laughs> Great. So we can see how John, Paul have impacted the book of Acts. But if you read the first verse of Luke gospel, to begin a quick introduction, let us move to book of Luke, gospel according to Luke chapter one, verse one to three. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seems good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Right? Acts addressed somebody called Theophilus and gives an introductory note introducing himself. And then come back to the book of Acts chapter one, verse one. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So there is the assumption by historians and theologians, book of Luke, continued on with the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles. And the author, Luke, we all presume he had written because the recipient whom he addresses, his accounts or his narration of his history to Theophilus very clearly tell us, Luke surely had authored this book. And after scripting or writing book of the gospel according to Luke, he resumes the history. Now, coming to the book of history, history, we always say, that is his story, story of Lord Savior Jesus Christ. So the history he re once again resumes and he continues to narrate. So in many a sense, when we take the book of Acts, Acts of Apostle, you would come to another conclusion. This is book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit or Acts of the Lord himself. So, keeping Luke as the author at the background of our mind, we also look at the time he has put this down, penned this down. Those days, they wrote on scrolls. They say this could have been such a long, you know, huge, uh, uh, you know, meters lengthy scroll. He wrote two scrolls because the first book Luke concluded and then he wanted to resume again, he wrote another scroll. It could have been penned down at the year AD 62. 
and then looking at the book of Acts, you would again be stuck with certain themes that is running through the book of Acts, the book of Acts of Apostles. Holy Spirit empowers believers to declare the gospel among both Jews and Gentiles. The theme is very clearly narrated and uh, it would run across because the church comes as a fulfillment of God's promise. And uh, right at this book, we see the way it kickstarts. And then Paul, uh, Luke, as he wrote, he has you know, given very clear uh, indication why he writes. Okay, many of us write number of our uh, written scripts or we have purpose to put our letters down. So he brings out, he is bringing it saying, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So he continues on to bringing the more important uh, history to the knowledge of Theophilus. Who the Theophilus was? Many people are saying it could have been a nickname, pet name given to someone who was in the higher authority, in the Roman rulership. And it could have been, you know, the meaning could be he's a God lover. Theophilus means a God lover, friend of God. So he addressed the so-and-so with a nickname, probably because that name never was mentioned elsewhere in the Bible. So we are given to understand that Roman ruler or who was in authority was a real lover of God and he wanted to give certain hard proofs. History comes with the hard proof. If you do understand, the author, he was, an, uh, he was a physician. There are uh, you know, narrations about him by very Paul in the later stage when he writes to Colossians, he called himself a physician. Doctors would do understand, they are excellent in taking the history. Am I right? There are a couple of doctors here. Without taking the history of the patient, they cannot come out with the finding or diagnosis for the patient. So Luke, again, happened was a um, historian himself and was his language of uh, Greek was very high quality by the way the standards of literature or literary criticism. And then we look at Luke as a historian come a physician brings very accurate information, undisputed. Therefore, the author had a purpose in presenting a very important facts and figures or rather uh, the history or narration. And uh, as we see, the theme would run across the various ways. Now, for our theme for today, that we are going to focus is commissioned by Jesus. Commissioned by Jesus. The moment I take this word commission, many meanings can come to you. I'm running around for hunting for a house. So what does the property dealer does? Their commission. Okay, the commission in commercial world can mean taking some cuts or taking their income generated from whatever the income they are getting. There is a section or part of it given as a commission. What do you otherwise know by commission? What does flash you? 
commission? Yeah, come on, go ahead now. The time is yours. What is interesting? Okay. Okay, interesting. Okay, sure. Interesting commission. What other commissions you have around you? High Commission of India. Okay, I'm sure Sister Ursula went to the High Commission of India to seek her visa for her entry. Any other commission? Telecom Commission. Anybody is aware of Mandal Commission? Yes. <laughs> what happened? Okay, they, these were in our days in the early 90s. The Mandal Commission was you know, coming out with their, you know, uh, findings and they were bringing some enforcement to be, you know, applied for the government in their reservation. There was the whole North India rocked. Okay, Mandal Commission, any other commission? High Commissioner, Commissioner of Delhi. <laughs> okay, so the word commission can mean in the different contexts for different people, for different roles and responsibility. But the word commission, we are going to look at by the Lord entrusting a particular assignment, a task, a role, an important um, activity. So looking from this point of view, commissioned by Jesus, the church is taking the foundation from the Lord, taking from the Lord. Even uh, I just uh, missed saying there are army people who are commissioned. Okay, they are given the task. I actually wanted to pick up the example of the army officers. They are commissioned officers. They are interested with the task and they are given a role. So in this way, let us look at the, uh, what we see in this commission. In the commissioning of Lord Jesus, you know, uh, just a quick uh, reflection back. This uh, whole of this uh, book is divided in this fashion. Okay, book of Acts, just I forgot to mention about it. I'll go further up. The chapter one to seven, this is about, you know, how they were witnessing in the Jerusalem and eight to 12 from Judea to Samaria, chapter 13 to 28, Asia and to Rome and other parts of uh, the world. And uh, started with Peter standing up and testifying then Stephen, Philip, James, and goes on with Paul's four journeys. And the stretch of the duration covered in the book of Acts, uh, you know, to be somewhat around 30 years. All right. So the commission of Jesus is coming with a convincing proof, convincing proof. So that is what the very recent purpose of uh, Luke's writing to Theophilus and to all of us. What is this convincing proofs? Many a times, when we take certain assignments, our roles and responsibility, if you are not convinced about what you are interested, I'm sure you will show lack of interest. All right? Okay, say for example, if that is not going to give you enough proof that you, by doing so, it is not going to benefit you, you would be hesitant to take that order and responsibility. So now, here what we see in this commission given by Jesus is coming with the, his physical appearances. Here, Luke is bringing out a clear indication for nearly 40 days, rather 40 days, Jesus kept appearing. 
Can you recall some of the appearance Jesus gave post his resurrection? Yes, we all are aware. He appeared to, you know, the women and then to the disciples. And then in one place, he appeared unto, right here in Acts of Apostles, we see he appeared unto 120 people. And this way, he went on giving his appearance. Just to quick reference, Acts chapter 1, verse 15, it tells, in those days, Peter stood among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So Jesus had appeared to the early 120, and then Paul indicates in a later stage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, he says he appeared unto nearly 500 people. Now, many a times, this personal appearance, if it is not going to happen, we find it very difficult to take the task on our shoulders. And Jesus, having died on the cross of Calvary, buried and rose again on the third day, post his resurrection, there was a panic mode among all of them. We all are aware what happened. The disciples returning to MS, you know, they were perturbed. And there were four disciples in the gospel according to John chapter 21. They had retreated back to their old profession for fishing. And Jesus needed to go and encounter them, present himself and appear to them. At one point of time, Thomas, the great saint and the disciple who came to India, he said, I can't believe Jesus. I know he was crucified. He has, he has a nail-pierced hand and a spear-pierced bosom. I want to put my finger there and see. Wow, that was a great uh, you know, opportunity. He wanted to prove whether Jesus is risen again or not. So that was, that was their situation. And Jesus appeared to Thomas. Thomas, please come. Come on. Take your finger. Put your finger here. Oh, that was a touch he could have with Jesus Christ. And that is how Jesus needed to bring his appearance, his physical appearance to the disciples to prove them, yes, the commission I'm giving you is with a strong proof. I'm no more dead. I am a risen God. I am a living God. What a great convincing proof they could all have. So it wasn't a hallucination. It was not their imagination. It was not their dreams or vision. It was in person. So those convincing proofs went on to give Christ physical participation. Look at the way the word says here in verse uh, uh, Acts of Apostle, chapter 1, uh, verse 3. After his suffering, he showed himself to the men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about kingdom of God. And on one occasion, when he was eating with them, he gave them command. He went on to eat with them. There was a physical participation. He wanted to be getting involved in the lives of the people to whom he was commissioning. He was not disappearing away. He kept moving around. There, you know, Jesus had a breakfast fellowship. Where was that? In the seashore. Okay, we would have many breakfasts at a nice place with the brother uh, uh, Sanjay's uh, office, okay, that is an enclosed, uh, uh, you know, 
nice building, whereas Jesus went on to have a breakfast fellowship with the disciples, a physical activity. He was keeping the bread and fish ready for his disciples. So this gave the people who are commissioned to own the commission, the responsibility, the assignment. And then what, what happened there? He, the commission came with a clear-cut teaching. He kept teaching them, giving them command. Their teachings are the most important thing with Lord Savior Jesus Christ. His commission and the foundation that we take from this commission is coming with this much of proofs. It is not something said as a story. It is not a mythology. It has come with power in this fashion. So in giving this convincing proof, Luke is again taking us to the next stage where the commission is you know, linked up with a promise. When Jesus was handing over the commission to them, he said, verse <clears throat> 4, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. There is a gift he was giving. The commission, usually we all understand, comes with a task, responsibility, assignment. Okay? You are commissioned to carry out certain tasks. Here, the commission comes with a promise. What is a promise? Promise with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, many a times, the moment we hear the gift of the Holy Spirit, we assign that to a certain number of groups. Remember, Jesus, <coughs> while he was ministering on earth, chapter 14 of John Gospel, chapter 15 of John Gospel, chapter 14, 15, 16 of John Gospel, Christ very clearly said, and also the same quote I mentioned in my greetings in the KO sheet, if you had noticed it, that he will leave the Holy Spirit to be with us. Holy Spirit was there all through. He's a triune God. We cannot displace him there, them there. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is hovering over the whole earth, but they, Jesus will gift every individual with the child of God, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit for the indwelling in the lives of everyone. Very clearly said, I will not leave you orphan. I will give you the Holy Spirit. And for that, Jesus kept promising at the point of his resurrection appearing unto them, Jesus came and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But then here for the church, to see the era of the Holy Spirit and his action to begin, that day was set for the 50th day, the day of the Pentecost. So to see the work of the Holy Spirit and the gift to be imparted into the church, imparted to the group of people, that day was called for a waiting period, waiting time. So he said, wait in Jerusalem. And so, the commission comes with a promise. Then what did Jesus say there? That's a very interesting statement he said. For John baptized you with water, but in few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again, don't be taken back. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, oh, that's only one group talks about it. 
The baptism meaning it is fully immersed. That's what we are going to do for those who are waiting to get baptized. Baptism, the very word can mean it is being immersed, drenched, dipped into whatever water or, you know, solution. <clears throat> so looking from the very word meaning, Jesus promised them you'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit. What is that? What could have been meant? When you only look at the chapter 2 of Acts, you would see they were all drenched in the Holy Spirit. They were completely soaked by the Holy Spirit. So that particular action was promised to them by Lord Savior Jesus for the manifestation of God's power capturing them and setting them to build the church, to establish the church. The day of Pentecost, the 50th day, otherwise it shall mean, came after the Passover, that was seven, seven days, and the 50th day came on the first day of the week. That's what we are here for. So it is on a Sunday like this, the church again taking the birth by the preaching of the gospel by Peter and his associates, and you see the number increasing from then onwards. And they were gathering to break the bread, come together in the fellowship and in prayer and in teaching. That's what we see in chapter 2. But now, going to this baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit is a particular event Jesus has promised to his disciples for the display of the power of the Holy Spirit coming and enduring upon the disciples on the particular manifestation to be shown to the rest of the church and in the book of Acts. So you and I are given the promise in the word of God as we read. It is, he has promised you the Holy Spirit. He has promised you, drench you with his Holy Spirit. What is needed? Yes, you look at the disciples, those who were chicken-hearted, ran away from Jesus when they were brought back together, put together, given the convincing proofs, they have now given their association. They forged themselves not to now thereafter leave Jesus and his command and his commission. They waited for the next 10 days in prayer and they got this drenching of the Holy Spirit for the kickstart of the foundation of the church and the start of the church. And going further up, so now we come to the mission part. How do you define between commission to mission? Are they two same? I'm sure there are great English scholars are here. They are two different words. Commission, as he said, it is a task entrusted. Mission is the actual core of the work. Jesus was handing over the task of being his witness. That's what we read in verse 8. Let's read it. Uh, let us look at the word. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The first mission is to become witnesses. And this is reflected even for the very way the Israelites were established as the kingdom of God or for the uh, people of God. 
God called them to be the witnesses. Jesus, when he chose the disciples, he said, when the Spirit of comes upon you, you'll be my witness. He said it in chapter 16 of John. So the way that Jesus was commissioning is for a mission, and the assignment is even more specific to be witnesses. What do you mean by witness? Only those who went to the court will know. <laughs> so where you need a witness. Okay, now in the present day, you all need a witness, right? You are signing a bond, you need a witness. Okay, you are going for a passport, you need a witness. All right, so you are going to enroll yourself in a college or school, you need a witness, you need a certificate of affirmation, you are so-and-so. Yes, that is how Jesus, when he commissioned the very task of his mission, he gave this role to be a witness. And then he assigned certain location. When he said, he straight away didn't send them, go abroad for ministry. America is your destination, England for destination. How many of you want to go as missionary to America? I'm here. <laughs> okay, there are destinations. Okay, we assume missionary going for a mission or for a full-time ministry, it is to Africa or, you know, South America. Okay, there could be destination. But look at what Jesus assigned to his disciples. It is starting with Jerusalem. What does Jerusalem mean to the disciples? That's the place Jesus was crucified. He was rejected. He was put on the cross, the cruel cross, in front of all his loved ones, the disciples included, and his family members, and those followers. And what is Judea all about? That's a neighboring location, the district, where he was rejected. What is Samaria? The Samaria is another place where the even Jews rejected these people as contaminated people, or rather second quality people. And then Jesus said, you'll go to the end of this, end of the earth. So Jesus assigned the task for his people, the commission of the mission was handed down to become witness right in the doorstep of their home. How did they start? Did they start? Yes. The following chapters you would see, one to seven, they were witnesses in Jerusalem. Was there a conducive atmosphere? They had so friendly invitation for them, come sir, come and preach. Well, we have, you know, good Christian colonies. <clears throat> when I started, you know, going for the ministry in Punjab, I had, uh, you know, Punjab welcoming people. The Punjabis are known for, you know, welcoming people. And we had cluster of some, you know, pockets of Christians. So I identified them. They said, come, 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 Michael, you come all the way from Tamil Nadu. We will look after you. And those were the days of very terrible terrorism. So... And that was a good atmosphere I had to kickstart a pioneering ministry. But look at these people. They did not have a welcoming home. They were put behind bars. They were persecuted. They were even put to affliction. They were in hideouts. They were praying in the hideouts. So they began their mission with the commissioning by Jesus right in the heart of their home, their hometown. That was the hardest task they started. God's work is not going to be in a more conducive atmosphere. It is not going to be in a very cordial atmosphere. If Jesus was rejected and was crucified, that's the same prevailing, the similar situation even now. People are not ready to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and as a Redeemer and as a coming King. And then 
and going into your hometown, you are going to face even more ordeals. And going to the neighboring, your towns in your districts, that will be even harder. And going to the place, the Gentiles, Samaria, until the end of the year, is going to be even tough task. So this commission, commissioning of the mission, comes for another important purpose, God's redemptive program. I want you to turn your attention to one of the questions these great disciples ask. That Jesus, 40 days over, great, but you talked about some kingdom, kingdom is coming, I will give you kingdom. When is the kingdom coming? Did you notice that? Jesus uh, was, you know, confronted by one of these questions. They said, verse 6, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They said, Jesus earlier said he's going to the cross. He will die. He, ri he will rise again. All happened. Now, is he going to make some kingdom plan? Because that's a Messiah they were waiting for, to the uh, restorer, to restore the kingdom of Israel. And what did Jesus say? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times of days the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. He is taking the attention of his disciples from the earthly kingdom and to the God's redemptive purpose or program, God's kingdom. So the Lord wanted to show his disciples the mission is the redemptive purpose program of Lord Savior Jesus Christ, bringing salvation unto the people of God to witness for the name of Jesus Christ and to bring the gospel message to every nation, every tribe, every person. So Jesus, in the midst of them, ascended before them just after handing over this mission. He was taken up into heaven. And there were people, just in the closing remarks in this paragraph, let's look at that. After he has said he was taken up, verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from the sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in a white stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Verse 12, then they returned. Some remark was needed by the two appearing angels. I don't know who those two angels, two men they mentioned here. They came to remind them, come on, your mission begins now. Start. So they were dispatched for the 10 days of waiting and praying, and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit to kickstart the church. The mission began there. Now, what are we going to learn from this very history? The foundation the Lord gave unto the church, the commission he has entrusted as a foundation for the very early church. It is the same for us. What is the foundation? It is to take the gospel to be a witness. It is a life-changing experience God has given to you. The kingdom has come into you. And he has 
given the very commission unto you. That's a high commission. That's a, from the most high commander, our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. This is not the ordinary commission that you will carry. It is not the commission or command from the army to fight the battle or anything. It is from the Lord himself, the king, who is going to come in the same way he ascended into heaven. And he's going to come back. And it was with the surety they were sent to carry on the redemptive program of Savior Jesus Christ. Lord who calls you is going to commission you. And he's going to qualify you. Never hesitate. I am, oh, simple man, humble. I don't have a great language. I don't know this much of theology. I don't have the Bible knowledge. Those people, those humble, simple men who were called to be disciples, they gave their life for a transforming experience with Jesus Christ. That will qualify you. The Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, when you open your life unto him, when he drenches you, you'll be filled by the power. You will be taken by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, in conclusion, these three things. You are his child, then that means you are belonging to the Holy Spirit. This work of the Lord mission and commission is given by the Holy Spirit. It belongs to the Spirit of God who is executing. So that is his mission. And the one who is going to do it, it is the Holy Spirit. He is going to do it through you as he did it through the disciples on the day of the Pentecost. So, so go through all the things that Lord is revealing to you through his scripture. You will have the personal encounter or the appearances of the Lord as you take the word very dearly and nearly to you. Are you getting the revelation from the scripture? The Lord reveals his purpose through the Holy Scripture, the Bible you and I hold. And once you have the spiritual encounter, the life-transforming experience of salvation, you would have the master plan given to you. We all know as we read the Great Commission, Lord has endorsed and given in the Gospel of Matthew, the last chapter, we all know it by heart. But for once again, for a reminder, let me read chapter 28, Matthew 28, verse 19, 18 following. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. So the very to the very end of the ages. The Lord Jesus, who empowered, entrusted this task, is with us to carry out. How do I see myself in God's big commission? Do I see in this world mission? The location is highlighted there. They were in Jerusalem, which is seen there. Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and to the whole of this world. And please remember, this Lord who went up in heaven is going to come back. Am I in the redemptive program of Jesus Christ? Am I doing the commission Jesus has given to the church, carrying out? How do I see my role 
Am I placing myself in the hands of the Lord as did the disciples? He has empowered you with his Holy Spirit as he has promised in all his promises. And he has entrusted this one in your hand. He has trusted you. He is trusting you for this commission to be fulfilled. So, dear brothers and sisters, in conclusion, let me remind you, commissioned by Jesus, we have the mission of Jesus. That's a foundation. That's a beginning. May God help us to be strong in the foundation and fulfill his commission through the mission that we are carrying out. Shall we look to God in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing your commission fresh to all our thoughts and minds through the writings of Luke because he brought these very hard proofs, sure proofs through your Holy Spirit Scripture. We too, Lord, believe and trust in your Holy Scripture. And Lord, take this revelation that you are meeting us, appearing to us. And Lord, you are giving me and all of us the great promise of the Holy Spirit, empowering of the Holy Spirit to me and to all of us. And Lord, you are dispatching us with a commission to carry out the mission of witnessing, sharing the good news in my home, in my neighborhood, in my neighboring districts and states and countries. Father, how can I be silent, O oh Lord, for the very facts you have revealed unto me, the gospel in which we believed, which has brought transformation? How can I, Lord, keep giving you excuses for not witnessing, not testifying, O oh Master? Sorry, Lord, we gave so many excuses. We became complacent and uh, Lord, lethargic. We became afraid or frightened. But, oh Lord, when your power is drenching us as did it drench the disciples in Acts chapter 2, we are, Lord, overshowered by the power of you. And, Lord, help us to stand up and witness. Help, oh Lord, in the days you come, we will be seen as warriors serving the Lord, confronting all the challenges, all the even atrocities, all the even persecution and suffering. And we will be going bold because the one who is coming with us is the one who holds authority. He's a king and he's a soon returning king. Lord, we are going with him and he is qualifying. So, Lord, we will not fear anything. But, Lord, we will fear the Almighty God and carry out his commission and his mission. To this end, we commit us in your hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we receive the benediction? May the grace of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ and the love of the Father God and the sweet communion and the baptism of the Holy Spirit be upon you and empower you to witness from now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.